You are listening to a Called Collective podcast where we seek to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. The Called Collective produces multiple podcasts where you can find them in the description below. To learn more about the Called Collective, you can visit our website at thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at the Called Collective. Stories. I knew. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Stories at Noon podcast. I am your host, Noah Yerow, and if you are just hopping into part two with Nathan, pause it, go back, listen to part one, because then you can get all the background on Nathan and get the first story. But we're just going to hop into the second part in this three-part series with Nathan. And Nathan, how you doing, man? I'm good. Yeah, it's been a busy week, but yeah. I'm good. You went fishing, which I know you don't like to fish. I have publicly announced on many occasions how much I hate fishing. It's just a waste of time. But Friday, someone in our church said, hey, if I take you fishing, I can change your mind on fishing. It was one of our students. Her dad is a professional fisherman. And so I'm like, all right, let's do it. So my son and I, we go out fishing and we go. And literally every time I put in the lure, I catch the fish I put the fish over to the student. She's a eighth grade student. I, I put it over to her. She takes the fish off, throws it back in or keeps it for me. I didn't have to do a thing the whole time. So <laughs> if I fish like that, I never have to touch a fish. I'm like, okay, it's that's, fine. That's a yeah, score. It's good. And uh, yeah. I, I, I love how publicly open you are about not, like just not wanting to fish. Well, fishing's the worst. And like in, in the first episode, right? Like I said, if, if you haven't heard it, go back to the first one. I, I mentioned how awkward and, Nathan said quirky that I think he is, but I had an encounter with Nathan's dad uh, the other, I think it was last week. And I still haven't heard this story, but I've heard legend, so I can't wait to hear it. So Nathan's dad, I think is where Nathan gets his quirkiness. So we're at the end of this youth night. It's it's a good night. Students are there. Um, it's, it's me, another college age student, and Nathan's dad. And... I walk up and, and I, I tell them, hey, I'm, I'm about to leave. Like, I, I've got a date to go get. I'm, I'm playing pickleball with my mom. And I, I was kind of making a joke out of it. That's cute. Um, and then your dad just, like, looks at me and says, those dates are important, Noah. And then he said, yeah, my wife and I, it's like our, our something anniversary. I said, oh, 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 are we going on a date? And he deadpan, did not recognize that I was making a joke and said, no, my, my, my wife and I, we're, we're going on a date. And I said, I, I'm going on a date with my mom playing pickleball. Like, he said, these dates are important. And then, and then he finally, like, 30 seconds into this joke, like, caught, oh, oh, your mom. Oh, yeah, these are important. But he just, like, deadpan just didn't recognize it. <laughs> he said, those anniversaries are important, Noah. And I'm like, what are you what are you talking? My mom and I are, what? I don't know what you're talking. I'm 21 years old. What are you talking about? He wanted a chance to flex that it was his anniversary. <laughs> yeah, That's what yeah. it was. Yeah. He just, I walked up to him and I was like, yeah, I got, I got a date to catch. And he was like, yeah, these, these dates are important. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't think you heard me. And I said, he said, yeah, I, I have an anniversary coming up. I said, oh yeah, yeah. Mine and yours. Like I was making a joke like it was our date and he just did not recognize it. And he's like, no, 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 my wife and I. Now and you I know just, why I'm so awkward. And in that yeah. moment, I was thinking, Nathan would have got my joke and he would have rolled with it. Your dad didn't acknowledge it and didn't do anything with it. He just kept moving on. I might be a little more socially aware at times, <laughs> maybe. I don't know, but, but that's, that's where I get it from. Uh-huh. But that's just, it's a small example of 
just the different stories that you can have from uh, encounters with random people. Like, they happen all the time. Stories happen all the time, right? You, I know you've mentioned love before stories. that you should live your life like a sermon illustration or you should live your life like the gospel. And with that just comes plenty of stories. And I'll tell you, sermon illustrations come easy to me because your life is always a sermon illustration. Every single step that you take, there is something that is happening that is related to the Bible and something that Jesus is teaching us. Oh, absolutely. And this random encounter with your dad, I have no idea how it's going to be a sermon illustration, but I have I have a feeling it's going to be. You know, like, and I could probably come up with a, an idea right now, but that's not the point. The point is stories. And I know you've got plenty. I, I just kind of shared a brief one. It's kind of a humor story. But Nathan, like I mentioned on the first episode, what is that story? What is a story that is, who knows, good, bad, ugly, funny, horror? What is that story that taught you a lesson? Like, do you have another one for us? Yeah, yeah, let's go into this story. So <laughs> let's go back into my Michigan days. So ah. I've been here in Barzell five years. So I, my first three and a half minutes, years were in Michigan. So we had a normal youth night. It was a Wednesday night. Just junior high youth group is meeting this night. And so we have games and then a message and we have um, worship and small groups and the whole night goes. We're there for two hours. The end of the night happens and pickup time is happening. The parents are coming, picking up all their students and they're coming through. And one at the end of the night, almost everyone is gone and a grandma comes walking into the building. She usually doesn't come in the building. Her son usually just comes out. And I'm like, hey, how can I help you? And she goes, yeah, I'm here to get my son. I go, I, I haven't seen your son tonight. I Like two hours we've been there at youth and I haven't seen her son or grandson. And, and she's like, I dropped him off two hours ago. Where is he? Oh, my, my God. Oh, boy, I'm responsible for this kid. <laughs> I haven't seen the kid all night. So I started asking my adult leaders, and, and the person that did check-in said, yeah, he checked in. He was here. I'm like, I don't think he played games with us. I don't think he was in worship. I don't think he was in message. I asked a small group leader, and the small group leader's like, yeah, he wasn't in small group time. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, boy. So... And so did he run away? We've got a park nearby. Maybe he went to the park. Maybe he's out back. And so I call all of our adult leaders are still there. There's only like four of us still there. And we start searching the building. And we're like, hey, bro, you here anywhere? <laughs> are you here? And so we're searching. And like, I'm getting alarmed at this point. I'm like, do we call the police? Like, grandma is going to be mad at me. Oh, yeah. Like, well, how is grandma going to respond to this? Dude, don't mess with grandmas. Like, grandma, if you, if you uh, lose her grandson, that's it. Like, your career is over at that point. Right, <laughs> that's yeah, what not, I feel not like. Not a grandma. She'll take her purse out. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like... I'm like, Grandma, we'll, we'll, we'll find him, yeah. I'm trying to act like everything's okay, like on the outside. Like, hey, it's no big deal. But on the inside, I'm like, we lost a kid. Like, what, am, what are we going to do? So, I mean, we search, we probably search for 20 minutes. And I'm like, all right, there is this one hiding spot. We we play, um, we played like hide-and-seek games in there all the time. There is this one hiding spot. Let me check. So, you have to crawl under the stage, but under that stage, there's the old stage. Oh. So, you crawl under the, the new stage, but then you go under the old stage, and sure enough, this kid was hiding underneath the stage. All night long, he had been hiding there, and I had no idea. Wait, so, because the game happens early in the night. Yeah, that's like, so, there's free time for the first 30 minutes, and then the game, Yeah. He was literally hiding. Sometime during free time, he crawled underneath the new stage to get under the old stage and hid there for, oh, 
about an hour and a half, more than two hours, because it was 20 minutes after the night was over. <laughs> no, did he have like a phone or something? No, he just, it was a sixth grade kid. He, he didn't have a phone at all or anything. And so there was no way to get a hold of him. There's no way. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So what, what did he say when you found him? It's like, bro, what, what, what are you doing, man? Like, I didn't know this kid very well at all. He, this was like his third week there, oh maybe. So I, I don't know him. I barely know his name. We talked about last week. I, I was intentional learning names. So I knew his name. But I'm like, well, what are you doing, man? He's like, there was just too much happening. Like, the, the energy at the youth group there, you would come in during free time, and you'd slaughter each other with dodgeballs. And it was high energy, high energy oh, yeah. music. I mean, it was, and he goes, it, it was just too much for me. So I just had to get away from it. I'm like, okay, that's fair. But maybe instead of hiding from all of us, maybe talk to an adult leader, and we can take you to a spot that it that feels right, a little right. more safe. So how, so it's his third time being there. How did he know where the spot was? I don't know. I think that he just crawled underneath the, the new stage, and then he just started whittling his way back. My and goodness. So the, there was just a cloth draped over the new stage, so it was easy to get under the new right. one. So That's crazy. Yeah, so I talk with Grandma. I'm like, man, so what, what's going on in his life? Like, why does this overwhelm him? And she's, she gives me, like, real basic details. Like, man, he's just he's just struggling with life. I'm like, okay, like, can I can I take him out for lunch sometime? Like I I want to get to know this kid because clearly there's more to his life that he's struggling with. And she's like, Yeah, I'd love for you to take him out. So I, I set up a time. I said, All right, how about next Tuesday? I'm gonna take him out for lunch and we're gonna we're gonna just talk about life and whatnot. And so next Tuesday rolls around. I show up to their house. I knock on the door, and nobody answers. Hmm. Like, but we clearly made this. The car was in the driveway. We clearly set a time to meet. I'm like, well, this is weird. So I go back in my car. I get on my phone, and I call his grandma. I got her number. I call his grandma, and grandma answers. I say, hey, I'm here to get this student. Can I, Can are you home? She's like, yeah, we're home, but he doesn't want to go anymore. I'm like, what? In the background, I hear this kid saying, no, grandma, I do want to go. Mm. like, so something bigger is happening right. here. There, there's clearly more context that I'm not getting, but clearly grandma, and pro- rightfully so maybe, right. grandma doesn't want to send him with me when I lost her kid for 20, for two hours. I don't know, but yeah. And so I'm like, I'm at a loss. I'm like, grandma clearly doesn't want me to have the kid. The kid wants to come and, and eat lunch with me. And so I'm like, I, I don't know what to do. And so eventually I, I just leave because I have to listen to grandma's authority. There's nothing else right. I can do. You can't I, can't, just go I can't go rip him out of the house. And so I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just going to leave. So I left and I started asking around like in the school district, does anyone know about this kid? And, and the stories I learned about the kid, he, his mom was in prison because his mom locked him in a dog cage for hours within hours. That's horrible. I had no idea about this kid. And so all of the loud noises and the craziness, he naturally wanted to hide because that he was used to the abuse from his mom. Mm. And it was like, I literally had no idea about his life or what was going on in his life. Wow. And so, uh, like, I was mad. The first night when I, when I caught him hiding, I was so mad at him. Like, I, I raised my voice. I yelled a little bit, like, hey, you don't hide from us again. And then... I was completely humbled. Like, I don't know anything about this kid. Right. I need to learn people's story before I get mad at people. Mm. You know what I mean? That's that's big. I, I remember 
going to like church camps and, and being a counselor and you don't know what that person's life is like as a counselor, right? That's something they told us. Like when you go and you help at a church camp, you meet them for one week. You don't know their story. You don't know any of those things. Their youth pastor may or may not, but you don't. And it was almost like the, the conclusions we jumped to. I, I don't know, like, we, we jumped to like, oh, he's hiding from me. Like, why is he doing that? Like, he's just being a bad kid. But in reality, like, it's a defense mechanism for, yeah. He had been trained to do that yeah. because of the abuse that he has went through. So that was his natural response. Mm. But in the moment of me being mad at him, I, I didn't even think about yeah. any of the other things that could be taking place in his life. And so I think I heard that that lesson in there was, like, learn— their stories, right? Like, how would how would you kind of put that? Yeah, that, that's almost exactly what I was going to say. Like, take time to know the people's stories. Don't jump to a conclusion about who a student is before you even know that student. Like, every single student that comes in your ministry, or or maybe not student adult, every person has a story. Right. Learn their story because that can tell you so much about who that person is, and it can teach you of how to invest and. In, teach them about Jesus yeah. and to care about the people. Well, I think that's what we talked about in episode one, but care about the people, but even get to know more than just the people. What are their stories? What, what makes them tick? What, why do they do what they do? That is so yeah. important. So I, I kind of like to, to pry a little bit, but so how did that relationship with that student, did it grow over the next little bit or what happened there? This, this is the hard part for me that this sometimes happens in ministry, but I only saw the student out in this, like, at school events and stuff that I went to. He never came back to youth. I don't know why grandma—I've tried to call grandma, and we never had good conversation. So there's not really a, a happy ending in this story where yeah. I got to, like, invest and, in, like, he's— I, I don't know where he's at now. I mean, this yeah. has been nine years since this has taken place, so wow. I'm not even sure. So, yeah, I wish there was more, but— I look back, I'm like, what if I would have learned a story beforehand and so we could have prevented that whole situation in the first place, right. you know? I think that shows the true colors of, of ministry. It's not always fun and games. It's not always great times of, of coming to Jesus or, or like discipleship, but there, there's plenty of failures. Yeah. And I mean, from my perspective, it doesn't seem like you're at fault for this, but at the same time, it's like, who would have known? Like, who, what, what could have happened if X, Y, or Z changed? And but I guarantee that story, that mistake, whatever you want to call it, has led to a more intentionality with stories, right? And I can hear the passion when you're saying that, like asking not just what's your name, but where you're from, like what do you do, like, what's your life like, what's your story? And I think that's that's super intentional. And I know episode one, we also gave a piece of advice, right? And, and from stories we learn, but there's always more than one piece of advice you would have given to your younger self. So episode two. What's another piece of advice that you'd give to your younger self for stepping into ministry? What would that be? Yeah, uh, it's related with what we're talking about here. But, but the piece of advice is every person matters. So what I mean by that is, is their stories, they matter. So they, every person has gone through a lot of things. This is exactly what we've been talking about. But every person—so I think of this. So a year later, I had a student who— their home life just didn't seem right. It just something wasn't right about them. I'm like, okay, so what what's going on here? And eventually, like, I started getting concerns that this student isn't isn't getting food at home. Like, he's not even able to eat while he's at home. So, I end up calling um, in Michigan. It was called CPS, Child Pro- Protective Services, on the parents, and like that was a really difficult thing for me to do. Like, 
calling and that would mean potentially that student would be taken out of his home. So what does that mean? And and they, they decided that, that the student was safe to live there. But the student ended up like basically living at my house. Like for mm. like three months, a student lived at my house. And it was so cool to see the student from the first time I met the student to where he's at now. He's in ministry now. He was called into ministry while he was with me. And so it was like a, a more happy ending to the story of where his home life was terrible. But then to see him where he is now, it's like God can move people, but we have to take time to invest in those people that, that God is working on moving. And so you say like that piece of advice is every, every story matters. So how does that like practically play out? when you're doing ministry? That means when you're, when you're on youth nights or you're a senior pastor and you're preaching, like we got to realize like not everybody has the same story that you have. And so maybe your story, like, like for me, like man, my life, if I'm completely honest, my life was easy. Like I, as I grew up in a Christian home, we talked about my dad a minute yeah. ago, but yeah. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad is awesome. Like maybe he's a little goofy like I am, right. but he is awesome. He taught me so much about Jesus. My parents tell me about Jesus. My life was really, really good. And like, I didn't have these struggles. And so I go into ministry thinking, oh yeah, life, life is good. And then I really go down like, life isn't that great for everybody. And so when I'm when I'm preaching, I got to realize everybody's story is different. Not everybody's like me. Like it's easy for me to find joy in Jesus because I haven't had anything crazy happen in my life. But what about for the people who have been locked in a dog cage? That's so much harder for them to find that deep joy in Jesus. Absolutely. And so we've got to figure out how can we convey the message of Jesus for for the story that they're living in that moment. That's good. Yeah. Every every person matters. Every story matters. And Going into ministry, I know for me, I, I, I kind of resonate with that a lot. Like I, I have had a pretty easy life, not not a lot of trauma, not things in that atmosphere. But even even, even stepping into ministry in, in different contexts, like every everyone's background is different, everyone's story is different. But when I help out with with these students, with these kids, they all have like a common need, and and when you find that common need, like at least for these students, it was just they just wanted to be loved, they wanted to be seen. They wanted to be known. They just wanted to know that someone cared. And when I realized that, it was really easy to connect with kids and students because all I had to do was just walk up to them and have a conversation. And not it's not a manipulation. It's not anything like that. It's just it's just loving the student as they need or want to be loved, right? Like, Nathan, if you are loved a certain way and I just do the complete opposite, it's not very loving to you. It's not a very kind thing. I don't think that's what Jesus would do. And so... I think as as people walking into ministry or doing ministry, finding that need, right? Because every person, every story matters. And I could just imagine, like, maybe that student that was hiding underneath the second old stage just needed someone to say, hey, how you doing? Like, or what's going on? Like, let's, let's talk about it rather than the opposite of. Now, there are plenty of kids in ministry that need the chastising. Like, they right. need the, what are you doing? You're just pushing my and They buttons. love that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But there's some students that need the complete opposite. Yeah. And so when, when students walk into your ministry, you can look at their face and see that something difficult is happening in their life. So asking those more difficult questions, like going beyond surface level, hey, how you doing? Good, high five, and they walk on. Like, no, go a little bit deeper than that. Like just in the last six months, I had a student tell me about they, they had to move away from a state they used to live in to move away from her dad who was abusing her. Mm. It's like, I would have never known if I wouldn't have taken time to get to know that student. Absolutely. So, so we can invest in students differently when we know their stories. 
knowing their stories. Every person matters. Like, that's the thing that just resonates, right? Mm -hmm. And so that one sentence would be, people's stories matter, or everyone's story matters. Like, take the time right. to be intentional with that. So, guys, this was episode two. It was a fun one, had laughs in it, but really deep, powerful, really good stuff. Right? It was fun, but it's also like, it's a little somber to think yeah. about the things that, that people are going through. We like to glam things up sometimes, right? I think that's what the whole idea of be real, that new social media is, is like just authenticity. And this this episode was more authentic. It wasn't a a, a mistake or, or a funny story, but it was like, wow, this is this is heavy. Like, this isn't yeah. just uh, something we joke about. Like, this is real. And that's, I think, what ministry looks like. Man, that's ministry. I mean, it is real. And I think when, when like, when I was in college, I don't really think of those stories that's going to happen. Like, you, you don't think about those things. Right. But that's real-life ministry of dealing with difficult situations like that. Yeah, and, how, and learning how to work through that. Yeah. So, guys, this was the second episode, a three-part series. So, if you like Nathan, which— you should. Most people don't. But it's fine. <laughs> no, it's fine. But if you like Nathan, stay tuned for next week. We got another one coming out. If you missed episode one, go back and listen to it. But we will see you guys soon. Catch you on the flippity flop. I would also like to take a second to thank the School of Theology Ministry at Indiana Wesleyan University for using their facilities. I also want to thank the Cult Collective for producing all of our podcasts. The Cult Collective seeks to equip the next generation of ministry leaders. To find out more information, visit thecalledcollective.org or check us out on Instagram at thecalledcollective. Once again, thank you for taking the time to hear the good, bad, and funny stories in the church. See you guys next week.